people have such a negative view of of homelessness that some people choose choose it, but others, some of us just got thrown into it and aren't sure how to get out or. We know what we need to do. We know the steps. We're smart enough. We, we, we have educations. But when you're, like I said yesterday, when your basic day-to-day is filled with your necessities, it's really, really hard to become productive. <laughs> you feel like your wheels are continually just spinning. I'd like to introduce you to Amy, a guest at the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center. I spent a couple of hours talking with her at the center, and boy, did I learn a lot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 2 of Season 3, Helping the Homeless, of Local Folks Podcast. I'm Bob Madar, and in today's episode, we're going to listen to Amy, a guest of the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center, who is currently homeless. I met with her at the center on two consecutive days, And it was only after reflecting on our conversation that I realized how many misconceptions and stereotypes I had about the homeless and how little I knew about what their lives are really like. You'd think, after all the gleaners I talked to for season two of this podcast, I would have a better understanding of just how easy it is to fall into poverty. For many of us, it's just a medical emergency or an unexpected job loss away. And once you are in poverty, just how difficult it is to climb back out. But I guess, in some ways, I'm a slow learner. Thank you, Amy, for helping me to understand. I started our conversation by asking Amy how she became homeless. I was in um, a relationship, and it became abusive. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I was in a home. I had a I had rented a motorhome from mm-hmm. my employer, who and worked construction. And um, he's in his seventies. And the first time I showed up with a black eye, he asked what happened, and and I had I had told him I was honest with him, and um, he said, "Well, you're going to leave the sob, won't you?" And he's I said, oh, "No." It, I don't know, no, I'm probably not. And he said, then you should probably find a new job and a new place to live because I don't need the stress of dealing with this shit. And just like overnight, I became dependent on the person who who had abused me. I mean, I had nowhere else to go, no, no one here because I'm not from around here. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one thing led to another and now I'm single and I'm homeless and I... I asked her what she did for her employer before she lost her job. Um, we flipped houses. Oh, okay. Um, so I, my my boss is one of the people that he worked for because mm-hmm. he's just a general contractor and he put bids out. But he was retired, so he did it just kind of as a side job. Mm-hmm. But we were staying really busy. We were working mm-hmm. 40, 45 hours a week. I did everything. I did mostly. I did the tear out. If we had to tear out flooring, I'd tear it out. But I replaced hardwood flooring, laminate flooring. Um, I re- redid framework. We. I added. Um, I did tile. I tiled the bathroom the, and the floor. Uh, I can do a little bit of everything. So pretty much anything that needed to be done with it, you yeah. could do it. Interior out. And how many years did you guys? I worked for him for about a year and a half. For about years. a year and a half. And prior to that, I was a baker at OSU. 
Oh, no kidding. What, at, at, at the... Uh, dining hall. Oh, wow. What, and how long did you do that? Um, not very long. I transferred over here from uh, College of Idaho oh. in Caldwell. Oh, no kidding. Um, I worked there for four years oh, as a pastry chef. And pastry chef? So what kinds, what kinds of things did you bake? Were you? Anything. Every, I did all the baking from for the morning and the lunch service and any catering before 2 p.m. And it re, they had to have five options for every meal mm-hmm. of, of baked goods, sweets, breads. I did all the breads for the... Um, for sandwiches and for the dinner rolls and caterings, if if it has to be baked and or fried, made of dough, um, I made it. You made it, wow! Including pasta dough, pizza dough, for the other stations as well. Wow! So I went to culinary school. It's um, culinary school. Where did you go to culinary, culinary school? Um, Scottsdale, Arizona. Scottsdale is, yeah. is that home? Where's originally? No, home? I was born and raised in Baker, Oregon. Baker? No kidding. Baker City. Baker, Baker City. City when yeah. I was in seventh grade, yes sir. I'll be doggone. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. but I've traveled all over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so baker, pastry chef, working to flip houses, and then it was an abusive relationship. And so, and then I had another job after we got. Like, I went to work at Halsey's Market, the Halsey Select Market grocery mm-hmm. store, and um, and I lost, I lost that job because he picked me up from work mm-hmm. and drove me to Washington. As we talked, it became obvious to me that most of Amy's time is spent just taking care of basic necessities. Here she is describing a typical day. You wake up in the morning, your alarm goes off, or uh, the normal person in a home with a job, and they, the alarm goes off, they kick the TV on, they go out and stumble downstairs and pour themselves a cup of coffee in their pre-made little, you know, those pre-set coffee pot, and mm-hmm. just like, uh, walk back upstairs and stand in front of their TV and get get what's going on for the first 15, 20 minutes, jump in their shower, get dressed, eat a little breakfast, and off to work they go. My day consists of waking up, looking outside, making sure everything's still there, um, going outside, um, maybe heating up something to eat, um, washing my face uh, with baby wipes and um, are the are godsend. It's like when you don't have water or, or running water, warm water, you clean up with one of those. Um, pack a bag because you usually have to pack stuff with you because you don't want it to get taken while you're gone. So you have to pack a, anything that's important to you with you if there's not somebody there that you can trust. And you really don't know who you can trust out here because they all say they're friends, but some of them are not. And, uh, and then worry about um, getting into civilization if you don't stay in, in, in town. And for you, that's a distance. That's a distance, it mm-hmm. is. And then I uh, plan out what, I'm, what I have to do. Okay, like, I, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to get some laundry done, but i got to do them in a certain order because it's pointless to go take a shower if you don't have clean clothes to put on. Um, uh, so i got to do laundry. Um, oh, yeah. Get the clothes, do the laundry, go to all the way across town to the aquatic center to take a shower, and then back to the outside of South Town, the south of town, to go home for the day. And I'm gonna hope that sometime in there I ate something because if not, I'm gonna be really lightheaded by the time I get back there. And th- this little process, all I got done was laundry and a shower, is probably gonna take four hours, five hours. 
to do a couple loads well, of laundry. Sure. I mean, and uh, it, it realistically five, realistically five hours. You're, and then, you're doing this all by bicycle. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm going to get back down there and then I'm going to be hungry. So I'll have to cook something to eat. But um, my cooking supplies are very minimal. So that, I'm grateful they are clean <laughs> right now. I'll cook something to eat, simple. And then now I've got to try to figure out how to make some money because whether it be I need hygiene or I need um, anything that money buys that um, resources it can't can't get fuel for your stove correct Um, anything like that Mm -hmm. or you know uh, I I do get food stamps but they only last till about the 15th 16th and then after that then you know you're on your own you Mm -hmm. can get a food box once a month and and um, so for food and stuff. So now I'm going to take a little bit of a nap because I'm tired. I'm, it's, it's a long ride from there to there to there to there, back and forth. I've probably ridden 15 miles. I know I've lost 42 pounds since I started riding a bicycle. Wow. Yeah. Well, it, it, if nothing else. That, you know what? <laughs> these, uh, yeah, I was starting to change the topic. But no. these, um, these uh, what is it, Get those Get Fit programs that oh, they yeah. have, the boot camps. Right, and, yeah. Um, all that CrossFit and you want the best exercise, you want the best weight loss program, go homeless for a year. <laughs> that is a good, we can make a bumper sticker out yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's truth to that. Yeah, there is, because if you're, if you're not, um, like, exercising your butt off and dragging your stuff across town and pulling a, a bicycle, you're riding a bicycle, pulling a cart that's got, designed to carry 100 pounds, you've got 300 pounds in it. Um, you don't have food to eat. You're hungry. So we'll burn it right off of you. <laughs> but then, so I'll take a little nap, and then at about probably 11, 10 or 11, I'll wake up tonight and have to go out and go canning, as we call it, dumpster diving, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. to pick out people's laziness of throwing. Thank you. Keep doing it. Okay, I appreciate it. If you could separate it just a little bit and not throw it in with the nasty noodles, I'd be really happy. <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> but I've got dish gloves. I glove up and goggles. I got to make a joke out of it because if not, I'll cry. Oh, no doubt. It's like, no doubt. Yeah. So. No, humor helps. But, yeah. yeah. I look like Scuba Steve is what I always say. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to go canning. I have to make a joke out of it, otherwise I'll cry. That statement haunts me, and I think it sums up the reality of being homeless in Corvallis. Life for these folks is precarious, uncertain, and extremely difficult, even without the threat of having your belongings vanish due to the actions of local or state governmental agencies like the Oregon Department of Transportation. When people come in to, say, for example, ODOT, or somebody like an official organization comes in and cleans out a camp. It's like taking my house. Would you speak to that just a little bit? I think that's a really interesting point. Um, they will, well, they'll come in and they'll they always let you know that they're coming to take your stuff. Like they they tell you, we're, they call it a posting. You've been posted. It's like an eviction notice. Mm-hmm. Most eviction no- notices are um, for people who own homes or rent homes is what 30 days 60 days 90 days we get 24 
72 or uh, like a week. We get 24 hours, 72 hours, or a week. That's what the notice is. So in 24 hours, and we've got a 24 hour notice, you have to go pack up <clears throat> all your stuff. Well, the majority of the people that are homeless don't have, bike, don't have um, cars, vehicles to pack everything into to move it to a second location. So you move it by bicycle or walk it, wherever you're gonna go. Um, you can't get it all done in 24 hours. Unless you, there's a hundred, an army of you, you're not going to get it done. And they'll just come in and they'll just take everything. And they come in with um, dump trucks, bulldozers. Not so much bulldozers, but the backhoes and mm -hmm. track hose. Um, and they'll just scoop, scoop it all up. Like they just grate it into a pile, scoop it all up and throw it in the back of a dump truck. Whether it be tents, stoves, propane tanks, um, food, clothing, all your personal stuff into a dump truck you have now you have 30 days from the time they picked it up to go down and sort through their pile and and pick get what's yours well if somebody beats you to it they're the first ones to get to pick through it whoever gets there first gets to pick through whatever they want because they have no way of saying well this is yours this nope is they don't separate it via okay well this one was picked up out of quadrant whatever hey this is the quadrant that you we said said you're in this is where your stuff will be. No, you, it's not. It's not se sectioned off. It's just all thrown into a dump truck. They take it back to their yard, which is out on the Palomas Highway, just past. I think it's at 35th, honestly, where 35th goes this way and up the hill. The other direction is is um, uh, the DOT State Police Yard. State Police Yard. Yeah, I think oh, that's, right. the that's where the state. That's where you got to go. Yep, that's where you. I'm not criticizing Odon or its employees. They're just local folks doing their jobs in accordance with regulations. But I do think it's important for all of us to realize that the homeless live with the fear that at any time they can lose everything they own, however modest those possessions might appear to the rest of us. Not only do these local folks have to worry about losing all their possessions in the blink of an eye, they also have to contend with the possibility of having photos of them and their camp put up on a Facebook page run by a group of local people and threatened with forcible eviction by self-styled vigilantes. Are you ashamed of human of humanity cuz I am. I'm ashamed of some of these people that the, the especially in the comments that, that they have made. At one point, it looked as though they were going to form a vigilante group to go out and roust out root these. Oh, that's root out one these, of the things I got from that. Yeah. yeah, root out these homeless camps and just get, well, Well, if the cops won't do something, can't we do something as citizens? It's like, you know how scary that is? Every time somebody that I don't recognize their face comes near my camp, I run in my tent and zip it up. And ask them what, what what do they want? What who are you and what do you want? Because I don't want to end up on one of those pages, and I haven't checked it for a few days. So that's another thing that I consumes my Wi-Fi time is checking those to make sure I'm not on I would think that those. would be terrifying. It is. It is. It's embarrassing. What's embarrassing? And it's yeah. it is scary because like I had a gentleman. He was looking for a canoe, 
he was just out riding his bike, but it was one of those fancy half electric bikes. And, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. it had a little screen on it that looked like a GoPro camera. And as soon as I saw that on his handlebars, I went back around cover and it was like, can I help you? And I don't give you permission to record me or take photos. Um, so, uh, please turn your bike around. And he said, oh, it's not a camera. It's just the digital screen for my, my, it's the digital for the. For the bike, for the electric, yeah, oh, okay. it's all the um, outreadings. It's like your dashboard for mm-hmm. the car. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay, well, what can I do for you? He was like, well, a gentleman, his canoe came up missing, and we figured since it was along the river, somebody it stashed in the woods, and I said, I, I haven't seen it. And he goes, well, the gentleman built it himself, and he's 80 years old, and we would just really like to get it back to him. And I said, I can totally understand that, and if I see it, I will... I let all the, let the officials know where it's at, but I really haven't seen it, and I could really appreciate it if you just take your fancy bike and go away. I mean, I don't want to sound like a hermit or, a, mm-hmm. you know, but it's scary. It's mm-hmm. it's scary because you never know what these people's intentions are. <clears throat> we had one gentleman tell me, as long as you keep it neat and tidy, I won't I won't post these photos that I took. But if your if your camp gets starts to get out of hand, I'll I'll make the phone call to the boys and sick them on you. Talking about Parks and Rec or DOT or the city, the police, whatever. As our conversation was coming to an end, I asked Amy if there was anything else she would like to say. Why don't you talk to us and get to know us? It's um, it's humanity is supposed to be helping your your brother or your sister when they struggle, not pointing the finger and and bashing them because they're unable, unwilling, or whatever their circumstances are to pull themselves out of it. Why not get to know us? Not judge your base your judgment off of a a stereotype that is no longer well it's probably never it was probably never true it probably never was you know one of the things that you just said that really strikes a chord with me is maybe the idea is we're looking for compassion not judgment you know, you, and, I, and I don't mean compassion in the sense of, oh, poor you, I'll help you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, no, just, empathy. Em- boom. Yeah, yeah. Empathy. I don't want your sympathy. I, just understand that, empathize with us, you know, hear us, try to put yourself in our shoes and imagine what we what we go, are going through. You all think that it's um, not not you, but they oh, all right. think, you know, and think that it's just a, Oh, it's this horrible thing that we've done to ourselves that, well, we did it to ourselves, we can get ourselves out of it. Um, Just try, put yourself in our shoes and see what it would be like to have to worry about whether or not um, all your prized possessions would just come up missing in one, one, whoop, that's it. Mm -hmm. Come back and find your house just uprooted and no longer there, vanished. Your driveway's gone, your house is gone, everything in your home is gone, and nobody can tell you where it went. Momo.
Get to know us, hear us, don't judge us. Try to put yourself in our shoes. That sounds like good advice for anyone seeking to really understand other people. And I hope this episode helps you to understand what it's like to be homeless in Corvallis. I think if we all listen more and judge less, our communities would be a lot better off. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll return for Episode 3, airing on December 1st, when we will meet and spend time with the local folks who volunteer at the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center.